angry! This is atrocious! This is war on women! How fucking dare the Supreme Court do this shit? Fuck you, Kavanaugh! Fuck you, Gorsuch, for lying under oath when you were confirmed, saying that you believe that this was settled! Women will die! But as long as it fits your Christian goddamn narrative, it must be correct! White women of privilege will still have access after their senators fuck them! Poor working mothers will not! Young women who are victims of sexual assault will not! Women who found out that their child is not viable in the third trimester will not! And who the fuck knows what's gonna happen ectopically because half you men prove that you don't know what an ectopic pregnancy is! How do I have less rights than my mother? Not everybody believes in your sky daddy! Not everybody believes in your cloud papa! The fact that you tied religion to your decision is pathetic! Rolling back the clock on women's rights and bodily autonomy is pathetic! You fucking conservacons love fetuses! You love fetuses! You are pro-birth! You are pro-amniotic sac because fetuses can't talk and they can't vote against you! But they make a good narrative for your fucking re-election campaigns! Pathetic! This will never stop abortions, ever! It stops them from being safe! It stops women from dying from them. It stops women from having back alley abortions! Or throwing themselves downstairs! All you did was hurt women! Women of color! BIPOC women! Minority women! Women who are in poverty! Women who have to make a horrifying decision of their life versus the fetus! Most of the time, it's a clump of goddamn cells! Cells! So women get to relive their sexual assaults for life! Or are tied to their assailant! You care more about your damn guns than you do a woman's life! Proof! Every damn day! FYI! There are children in the foster care system that you fucks won't adopt! So please tell me how you are pro-life! You are pro, I get my way! I pray you never get another restless night's sleep in your life thinking about what you did to women! This is not over, not by a long shot! How dare you! Karma does not forget! And she may take some time to come back around, but she will get to you! Not on my watch, fuckers! Welcome to Disaffected, the show where we talk about politics, culture, and relationships through a psychological lens. <laughs> Sorry about that clip of my mother's voicemail. I don't know how it got on the show. Um, welcome, friends. Yes, this week we are going to talk about Abortions, abortions, abortions! <laughs> I have to tell you. I used to have a Twitter account years ago, and then I was off Twitter for two or three years, which was actually a good thing. But then, of course, when we started the show, I started a Twitter account. So I've been back on for about a year and a half. I have not had as much fun as I had yesterday on Twitter ever. The absolute hysterical meltdown over the Supreme Court decision 
was well i mean it was sublime it was just sublime this was <clears throat> well here's what i said um this is one of those places and one of those times where we need borderlines and i said borderline ladies this is your day this is your day on the stage we need you we need you to bring the crazy and we need you to turn it all the way up to 11 girl okay you need to go crazy and they went crazy it girl it was like a jubilee you it, you know that thing like on the alabama shore where every, every what do they call it i think some people call it a red tide or a jubilee where overnight like 16,000 tons of uh, fish and seafood and shit just wop, washes all up on there. And you got these women in their aprons gathering up all the crabs, gathering up all the mussels or whatever the, the hell they have down in Alabama. This was a borderline jubilee. And it was glorious. So for anyone who's been living under a rock or in a nice little cabin in the woods, the U.S. Supreme Court overturned a court precedent called Roe versus Wade, which was decided in 1973. And Roe versus Wade said that states could not entirely ban abortion. This, and so the decision yesterday, contrary to what you may be being told, contrary to what you may, the impression you may be getting from some emotionally activated American women, is that the court banned abortion yesterday. That is not true. The decision did one thing. It returned the choice of regulating abortion completely to each of the 50 states. It did not ban abortion. It did not take away anyone's rights. What it did was it said Roe versus Wade was decided badly using bad log uh, excuse me, bad logic and not following constitutional precedents. It did not say abortion is evil. It did not say abortion is banned. It said this decision was improperly reached. And people are having a very, very hard time understanding this because there's a lot of emotion wrapped up in this. Oh, well, I'm going to make fun of that emotion today. I am, I am living for making fun of that emotion because some of it, much of it, is absolute hysteria disconnected from reality. But to be fair, there is a lot of genuine emotion wrapped up in the question of whether or not a woman has a right to have an abortion. But this decision simply said, this is a matter for the states. And what happened is, of course, exactly what you would expect would happen. Um, liberal women went nuts. And I think we're, well, we're going to show you many of the ways that they went nuts. And some men went nuts, too. But <clears throat> I think what happened yesterday was something that, regardless of how you feel about abortion, regardless of what I think about it, and I don't have settled thoughts on it. I don't. I'm not for an all-out abortion ban. I can't honestly tell you that I, I think that the morality of aborting a fetus at, <clears throat> excuse me, eight weeks or 12 weeks is the same as aborting a fetus in the third trimester. Um, I might be wrong about that, but I don't believe that. I think there is a moral difference. So I, I don't want an all-out abortion ban, but it doesn't matter what I think about it, and it doesn't matter what you think about it either. Um, what happened yesterday 
was that women and particularly hard left liberal women were given the biggest and most resounding no they have ever experienced. And they are rip shit over it because they have not been told no about almost anything for decades. They have gotten their way. They have gotten deference. They not only have gotten their way, but they have made it socially unsayable to tell them no. They have made it socially unsayable to say your behavior and your screeching and your accusations of misogyny and abuse are out of order, they're not true, and you may not act like a stroppy 16-year-old girl. They haven't heard that because we haven't been allowed to say that to them because that's misogyny. But we said it to them yesterday, and that's where this anger is coming from. Release the Karen! <clears throat> I saw one of the, I'm gonna show you some tweets. The first one I saw, uh, <laughs> I want to throw my uterus on the steps of the Supreme Court. Okay, go on with your bad borderline self, but do not get too crazy up in here, okay? Shows. <laughs> really? I, bitch, do it then. I got the camera ready. <laughs> And abortion wasn't the only topic that came back front and center yesterday. Racism did, too. Take a look at this on your screen. This is a tweet from somebody named AJ um, responding to an MSNBC story. And it's a picture of uh, Justice, Supreme Court Justice Clarice Thomas, who is black, Thomas. And <clears throat> MSNBC's headline is following Roe's demise, Clarence Thomas eyes new targets. Now that Clarence Thomas has helped overturn Roe versus Wade, he's eager to roll back the clock on other American civil rights, they claim. So this person, AJ, says this in the tweet. Doesn't the n***er realize his rights are next? Mask off, honey, mask off. Ooh. Do you know how many times I saw that word on social media yesterday? A lot. More than I have ever seen it on Twitter. You know what else? I saw it exclusively from white women, liberal white women. The nice ones. The sympathetic ones. The downtrodden ones. Yeah. Notice how these people, these liberals, need black people to be downtrodden. They are angry at somebody like Clarence Thomas who does not indulge in race-based victim baiting. It's also the reason they hate scholars like uh, black economist Thomas Sowell, who shares many of these characteristics with Clarence Thomas, or scholars like John McWhorter or Glenn Lowry, other black men who don't toe that particular line. Minorities for these people, for these liberal white women, are accessories. They're just social justice accessories to help establish their bona fides and say, see? Oh, oh, because the other one, the other thing I saw yesterday 
woman is the of the world. And we've heard that phrase before, but I saw it on a sign carried around by young women getting ready to bear their breasts in front of the Supreme Court, because of course, every time women's rights are affected, the best way to deal with that is to get your knockers out. Ah. Well, let's take a look at um, uh, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez on the steps of the Supreme Court yesterday. Kevin, please roll it. glee on her face. She. This is like being at a rock concert for her. Illegitimate. Illegitimate. <laughs> She's such a muppet. Good lord. Well, that was funny, but what do you think about this one? Roll it, Kevin. So I'm just convinced we need to burn it all down because at this point, I don't know what else we're supposed to do. I'm advocating for violence. I am advocating for violence because there are people that are doing a really bad job. But the problem with the job is, even though they're doing such a bad job, they do this job until they die. So we're just supposed to sit back and let these people do a really bad job and have really seriously negative consequences on millions of people. And we're supposed to do what? Sit on the sidelines? Light it, light it on fire. I'm going to, we're lighting it. Light it on fire. Yeah, what are you supposed to do? I mean, these people are doing a really bad job and they are going to do this job until they die. What are we supposed to do? Just let them do a really bad job without killing them? Like, how does that even, how does that even make sense? Right? I mean, come on, guys, you know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> Really serious negative consequences she talks about. Really serious negative consequences from these people doing their bad job. But of course, her assassination plans are not a serious negative consequence. Moving right along. She's not the only one. Here we've got... Again, we have spent the past two years, more than two years now, Fearing social media, those of us who don't agree with things like COVID lockdown protocols, forced vaccination, masking, all this other stuff, we have lived in fear of getting our social media accounts deleted for simply posting links to actually peer-reviewed scientific articles from places like the New England Journal of Medicine that don't follow whatever it is that Twitter wants us to believe that particular day. We've had to worry about that. But threatening violence, threatening assassination against Supreme Court justices was wall to wall in my corner of Twitter. I mean, not my corner. I'm not mutuals with these people, but I'm looking at it. Didn't see Twitter doing a goddamn thing about it. Here are a couple of examples. Uh, here's two tweets and one on your screen. First one uh, from somebody named Trick or Troy. And um, he says, literally kill every single Supreme Court justice, they can all die. Nobody will be sad. Ava, uh, her, her whole um, screen name is, or uh, Ava short for tax evasion. 
Well, it could be he. It's a, whatever. Sir doesn't mean anything. So Sir Evelyn, whatever. I'm going to kill every member of the Supreme Court that let this happen. So we've got a mob going on here. I mean, there's a mob on Twitter every day. But those of us who are not on the left, those of us who are independents, those of us who are conservatives, we have been warning you for a long time. People who have been doing it a lot longer than me have been warning you that tolerating this kind of language sets up an atmosphere in which people feel emboldened to do actual physical violence up to and including assassinating sitting judges who make decisions that they disfavor. Many people have been warning you far longer than I have had a show, but I've been doing it since January of 21 here with Kevin on Disaffected. This is accelerating. This is what happens. How much further would we like this to go? Do we need an assassination before we take this seriously? Hmm? And of course, no momentous legal decision would be complete without a visit from the trans people hit hardest brigade. Let's look. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of borderline glasses going on and off today, my friends. Okay. So, of course, remember, just as a baseline, that all negative actions affect trans people more than they affect anyone else. doesn't matter what action it is, trans people hit hardest. As my Twitter friend says, trans women hit hardest. So Amber says, <laughs> oh, it's only segment one and I'm already into the voice. Please don't cut trans men and non-binary people out of the conversation today. This is not just a women's rights issue. Anyone who can get pregnant is affected. And why am, why am I speaking like a baby? Because little Amber here is a fucking baby. Little young Amber here, a woman, one of the people affected by this, is so goddamn deluded that on a day when her set believes one of their fundamental rights has been taken away, she can't even bring herself to be a woman and call herself a woman. She can't even advocate in the name of her own sex. That is how warped this ideology makes people's brains. Nobody but women. <laughs> Only women can get abortions, period. No, no, there isn't any new. No, 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 no. There's no nuance. No, there's not a colorful, variegated, rich tapestry of conversation I have about this. Take that back to your undergrad anthropology 101 class. I don't want to hear it. Only women can get pregnant. But not. So now we've got user original Pepsi ma'am. That's not a bad name, actually. Can't wait till people start talking about how trans women aren't affected by the Supreme Court's decision, completely ignoring the place a lot of us get our medication from. You know what that place is, right? It's Planned Parenthood. These sick men, 
these fetishistic, these psychosexual fetishists, these personality disordered men, which is what adult male trans women are largely today. They're not women, they're psychosexual fetishists. Doesn't mean they're all violent, doesn't mean they're all serial killers, not saying that, although I bet you some of them are. These sick men are only concerned about Planned Parenthood being affected potentially by this decision because then they won't be able to get their unnecessary and poisonous estrogen that helps them live out their silence of the lambs fantasy every day. You know, <laughs> some, <laughs> I swear to God, I wish I could claw back every single dollar I ever donated to Planned Parenthood. They are fundamentally evil on every front except the contraception they provide. They have gone down the trans rabbit hole. They are helping young girls chemically castrate themselves. They are helping young women get their breasts cut off sometimes. Um, well, actually, I can't say for sure. We know that teen girls under the age of 18 are having that done. I don't know if Planned Parenthood themselves is doing that. They, they are an evil organization evil. And finally, in that same department, Alex Zielinski, and I honestly can't tell if Alex is a man or a woman. That's what happens with small Twitter pictures and people lying all the time. Alex says, reminder to journalists today, not all people who can become pregnant identify as women or mothers. Yeah, who gives a shit what they identify as? I identify as is simply, I'm lying and telling you to th see me a certain way. Identify means nothing. They are women, period. Now, let's move on to a little bit of audience mail before we close this segment out. I've got two for you today. Thank you, viewers. I appreciate this. I've got a lot of good stories coming from you guys. You leave them in the comments on YouTube. You send them my email. I, I really appreciate it. So this was a comment left on our show last week. Yesterday evening, I watched over Zoom a holiday performance given by an independent elementary school in Oakland, California, as my husband's granddaughter goes to that school. It was the wokest and most joyless ensemble of songs ever assembled on the planet. Any single song would have been appropriately progressive to include in a traditional or modern homage to Christmas, holiday, or winter, but alas, the onslaught was relentless. No manger animals, just banana slugs. No joy to the world, only I have rights. No wise men, only land-thirsty European colonists. No snow, no starlit silent night, no woods dark and deep. Just, without any trees, there'd be no me. Narcissism. And you could see the blank expression of parents and family members on Zoom as they watched, wanting to smile but not quite being able to. I knew we were off to an interesting start when the teachers' names appeared on the screen with their preferred pronouns. It was wokeness in its purest, most distilled form. It was beautiful and terrible to behold, like Aruna coming before the face of God in the Bhagavad Gita. My only consolation is that this would not be possible in a regular Oakland public school, as black parents would be like, mm, you better put some Jesus back in my Christmas, honey. <laughs> Thanks. This one's from John. I was at a party for a family member last week. Her friend, an Antifa member, was there. We ignored her all day, of course. The Antifa girl's mother also happened to be there. She was extremely outgoing, friendly, and happy, loved to be the center of attention. At first, I thought she was just outgoing and nice. 
You know where this is going, don't you, friends? Later, I noticed what I thought was a young boy <laughs> talking to my 10-year-old niece. My first instinct was, aw, look at those two kids sitting talking at the table. I later learned that the young boy was an 18-year-old girl who had transitioned. I'm assuming puberty blockers. She'd looked like a child, didn't have any breasts. My niece got confused and asked, wait, I didn't know there were two sisters and a brother. To which the trans kid said, no, I used to be called Sarah. I used to be the sister. We took my niece out of the room and made sure she fully understood that this is grooming and it's not normal, but that she should be respectful to everyone in public. After that, I noticed a lot more. The mother had her husband, a Republican, come by the party with one of their dogs for everyone to meet the dog. Once they had met the dog, she instructed her husband to go home and wait for her. What? He could have stayed, but she said no. This ultra-left woman is controlling her Republican husband, though he's at fault for saying no as well. I also learned that the trans child was saying at the age of 15 that she didn't want to have legs and would pretend to have prosthetic legs. So this is a clear mental disorder, but the mother is humoring it rather than helping it, mutilating her daughter instead of treating the clear mental issue. I'm going to break in here. You know what the clear mental issue here is? It's mother's mental issue. It's called a personality disorder. And the symptom is called Munchausen syndrome by proxy. Back to the letter. And finally, we found out from my niece that she asked the trans kid about it and was told by her that she realized she was trans because at the age of 13, she knew she was, quote, scared of having children. The 18-year-old trans boy also asked my 10-year-old niece to have a sleepover with her. Obviously, that didn't happen. There are so many things wrong with this. Yeah, 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 there are. Let's take a break and see on the other side. You know how podcasters are always asking you to hit the subscribe button? Well, this is us asking you to take a minute right now and be sure you've hit subscribe on your favorite video platform. Click that notification bell too, so you never miss our newest content. And don't forget to subscribe on audio, too. We have audio-only content that you won't find on any video platform, so don't miss out. Do you like Disaffected? Do you like it enough to help pay for it? We'd love to have your support to grow and maintain this show. Donors get special access to our monthly Zoom hangouts. They're off-camera and unscripted. We talk about what you want to talk about. There are two ways to join. Patreon users can go to patreon.com slash disaffected or visit subscribestar.com slash disaffected. Welcome back. In an earlier episode, we told you about how the Biden administration is redefining the term sex. And it's doing this to decouple sex from, from reality so that schools in this country will have to allow boys to compete on girls' sports teams or to have access to any private or intimate spaces that girls have if they claim that they, boys, are girls. And if schools don't allow this, the government is going to shut off federal funding to them. This is, the following is from the Post Millennial, which you should be reading if you're not. My friend Libby Evans, who I went to college with, is the editor at the Post Millennial. Hi Libby, thanks for the good information. First quote, 
The proposal attempts to establish that barring biological men from female-only activities would cause actual harm, laying the groundwork for punitive actions. The Department of Education clarifies that, quote, engaging in a practice that prevents a person from participating in an education program or activity consistent with their gender identity subjects a person to more than de minimis harm on the basis of sex. De minimis is lawyer speak for minimal. I know that's probably obvious, but not to everybody. Next quote. The proposal, that is the proposal from the Biden administration, even goes as far as stating that, quote, the Department of Education does not construe the term sex to necessarily be limited to a single component of an individual's anatomy or physiology. Further, the department need not define sex, end quote. The department need not define sex. This is how they talk to you now as a citizen. We don't have to answer your question. We don't even have to define words. One of the most basic 101 level components of law and public policy making is definitions. I can't, unless you have experience writing or parsing legislation, it's hard to explain how out of order this is. Um, an analogy might be um, showing up to algebra and saying you need not use arithmetic or arithmetic isn't applicable here. I mean, it's that basic. Every piece of legislation, every section of law has a has a section of definitions that so that you know what the hell the law means. No one, no one in any federal government prior to this administration, no one would even it wouldn't even have occurred to them to say something like that. We need not define the terms we're using in law. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> ah. So, of course, the Biden administration is attacking this terrible problem of boys not being able to compete as girls and girls not being able to compete as boys on several fronts with several allies. And one of them is a secret. Um, <laughs> one of them is a very sick man who calls himself Admiral Rachel Levine. He's a man named Richard. He is the assistant secretary for health. And here is what he had to say this week. Gender-affirming care is life-saving, medically necessary, age-appropriate, and a critical tool for healthcare providers. As a pediatrician, when it comes to making sure kids are healthy and happy, I know how important care that affirmed someone's true identity can be. As a peta-what? A peta-what, Richard? Oh, a pediatrician? Okay. <laughs> I, all I heard listening to that was Family Guy, was Mort or his wife Muriel. Gender-affirming treatment is life-saving care. 
<laughs> if you can't see this, another reason that for this this iteration of Disaffected, you really should be watching this on video once in a while because you got to see this guy standing there in his ridiculous, um, I'm a 62-year-old lady get up with his big man face. I mean, it's just, it's comical. It's comical. So I have a few questions for Rich, Rachel Levine. Is chemically castrating children life-saving care because that's what happens when you give them Lupron the very same drug that's used to chemically castrate sex offenders is that life-saving when you do that to a child is cutting the breasts off teenage girls life-saving care is psychological torture lying and gaslighting and convincing children that they are in fact born in the wrong body is that life-saving care what specifically, Dr. Levine, is age-appropriate? What? Name it. Name the age-appropriate. Name the thing and then name the age that it's appropriate for. As a pediatrician who cares about making kids healthy and happy, I support giving them poison and cutting off their secondary sexual characteristics. This son of a bitch should be in prison. Hmm? This society hates children. Do you know that? I didn't know it until the past few years. This society hates children. Oh, we say we love them, but we don't. We freaking hate them. Have you noticed how many adult projects, adult concerns, egotistical concerns, stylistic concerns, narcissistic concerns are carried out using children as actual fuel in the engine. Have you noticed how important it is to these people to convince children that they have the most astonishing birth defect known to man? They aren't just missing limbs. They don't just have a cleft palate. They don't have a club foot. They are born in entirely the wrong, but their entire body is wrong and that they'll die of a disease that they won't die of COVID-19 unless we are allowed to use them to prove our experimental vaccines are good even though children are not susceptible to mortality from COVID. We hate children. If we don't hate them, it might even be worse than hate, actually. It might be actual emotional indifference. We don't see them as people. We don't see them as humans, subjective, conscious, individual agents with their own interests that are not connected to other people necessarily. We don't accept our responsibility to children as wards and as stewards, mentors, and guides. We think of ourselves as their owners. When I hear talk about parental rights, and I hear a lot of this from the right, I hear a lot of this from conservatives, I don't hear, I mean, I've already dealt with the left. The left is, is screwed. Forget that, bracket them off. But the right, conservatives, here's a suggestion. 
Every time you use the word parental rights, and I understand why you do, and you are correct that it is you, the parent, who has the right to make medical decisions about your child, not the school social worker, not some counselor, not Joe Biden. You are absolutely right, okay? But every time you talk about parental rights, would you consider adding responsibilities as well? Would you consider highlighting that adults have a moral duty? And many of you, I believe, actually believe that this is a duty from God. You have a moral duty to protect and guide them, not to own them. You don't have rights over them. You have a right coupled with a responsibility to steward them. Here's an example of how much we hate children. And this is a good one from the left. Here's a tweet from Nicole Baldwin, MD. And she said, and I'm going to read this to you. So those of you just listening, I'm going to read this to you and you're going to hear the capitals. When you hear this tone of voice, understand that she wrote this word in capitals. She does this a lot. The PEDS squad, PEDS, you know, pediatricians, PEDS world squad. The PEDS squad is excited that our littlest patients will finally have the opportunity to be protected soon. Give me a heart if you're also excited and RT if you're ready for your little one to get vaccinated. Hashtag this is our shot. Hashtag vaccines save lives. Happy, happy, happy. Now I'm going to show you the video from the PED squad. And, and before you watch it, please notice the affect, the tone of voice, the facial expressions, and the gesticulations of these people. Pay close attention. Kevin, could you roll that, please? Want to know what the Pete Squad thinks about the COVID vaccines for kids under five? Relief. Happiness. Excitement. Children under five will most likely be able to get their vaccines starting next week. This will make a huge difference to families who have been mitigating risk over the past two years, just trying to keep their families and loved ones safe. While it's true that most young children just will not suffer from severe outcomes due to COVID, many children have. Long-term effects of COVID on growing bodies are unknown. For this reason, the benefits of vaccinating young children outweighs the risk. But which vaccine is better? Both Pfizer and Moderna induced a robust antibody response, which correlates to protection against symptomatic and severe disease. Both vaccines were found to be safe, with zero cases of myocarditis reported in either trial. So what would we choose? Basically, we're recommending any vaccine that works for your personal situation and that you can have access to. In a minute, I'm going to need a vaccination for my children to protect them. <laughs> Are these people serious? Does their affect seem trustworthy to you? Do they seem genuine or do they seem more narcissistic? We have a really big problem in that every once respected field and institution in this country has turned into this shit show this clown show, this TikTok soap opera, navel-gazing selfie culture. Some of these people, one of these doctors was about 50 years old. 
that guy, that dude, that 50-year-old dude, just going off what I saw there, that looks to me like somebody who is pre- putting on a human act. This is what nice human doctors would do, right? So I will do this thing. I don't think any of that was genuine. And I think those young women were more concerned about the glass smoothness of their hair and the filters all over their goddamn faces. Jesus. These people are not safe. They're not loving. They're not big hearted. They are not, you must never trust people like this. Never. And I don't want to see trust restored in any of these institutions. I hear a lot of people say, you know, when will we be able to trust them again? I want to ask you why you want to trust them again. Why do you want to have the level of trust in, say, the CDC that you had before? I know why. You do, too, because it's comfortable, right? It felt safer. The world that you're reminiscing about feels emotionally better to you. But guess what? It wasn't real. I no longer believe it used to be better and that you used to be able to trust them. I don't believe that anymore. Instead, I'm questioning what nonsense, misdirection, and outright lies doctors and public health have been telling us and for how long they've been telling us. Let me give you a personal example because this is my show and I can do that. I had a a heart attack, a health attack, (laughs) Honey, I have never had a health attack. I had a heart attack at age 36, 11 years ago, as many of you know. Um, And I'm very grateful for the, the expert emergency surgical team that saved my life. They get absolutely the highest marks. Everybody who helped me that day, from the fire department ambulance crew to the nurses to the surgical crew, was just mwah. But in the process of seeing doctors and getting a lot of tests done after this happened, I was told repeatedly how bad smoking was for me, obviously. I mean, you'd expect to hear that. But not one peep from anyone, and I was put in the cardiac rehab program at a team of specialists. Um, and and it, w- it was good motivation, it was good motivation for exercise. Obviously it didn't last, but it was good while it lasted. But not one of these people said anything to me about the effect of alcohol on the cardiac pulmonary system and on your endocrine system and on the lipid profile of fats and cholesterol in your body that is correlated with heart disease. Nobody said one word. I had to find out for myself that in actual fact, I had drank myself, or was it drank or drunk, myself into a coronary as much or more than having smoked myself into one. How did I find this out? Well, I get blood work done every year that, that a complete metabolic panel. I mean, it's just everything. All sorts of chemicals, proteins, lipids, all that sort of stuff. I got blood work done after I stopped drinking in 2020 that showed that my cholesterol, my endocrine numbers, my blood sugar, all of these markers had dropped from alarming holy cow levels to unbelievably good that most people can't achieve levels just from stopping alcohol. 
You want to know how bad my numbers were? For those of you out there who know something about this, on the day of my heart attack, my triglycerides were 770. <laughs> they asked me what I was eating, and I said, I've been mainlining mayonnaise. What do you think? <laughs> Two and a half years ago, before I stopped drinking, they were still in an alarming 550. After I stopped drinking, 130, well within the normal range. So that cardiac rehab I was telling you about, they were great on exercise. And, and you know, really just the, the, the motivation of being in a room with a whole bunch of other people who had all just had a coronary too. And I was one of just two young guys um, there was one guy even young, one guy in his 20s. I really felt bad for him. Um, but just, you know, being there and, and talking with each other, you know, was was motivating. And I lost a bunch of weight and stuff. But they put me on the cardiac rehab diet. And what diet did they recommend? Well, the USDA food pyramid special for heart patients. So it was the food pyramid, but with even less fat. Based on grains, wheat, corn, sweet potatoes, grains. Do you know what grains are? Grains are carbohydrates. And carbohydrates are sugar. That's right. Sugar. Doesn't have to taste sweet to your mouth to be a sugar. Did you know that? I didn't. It's true. Your mashed potatoes, your savory mashed potatoes, that's sugar. Your body sees sugar because chemically it is sugar. Same thing with your complex carbohydrates with a lower glycemic index. They're sugar too. They just take longer to digest and they don't spike you as quickly and as acutely. But they are still sugar and you don't need them. So they recommended to me the very diet that the sugar industry helped popularize in this country and convince the federal government to blame saturated fat and meat instead of sugar for the alarming rise in heart disease and type 2 diabetes. I remember a sample diet plan. This, this is, okay, you know how much I hate public health and I don't much like doctors anymore either. Um, I hate them for what they, they, they lie about nicotine and smoking and vaping so much. Um, but I hate them for their dietary lies as well. This is what happens. This is what happens when paternalism, not actual compassion, paternalism takes over the doctor-patient relationship. I remember being given a sheet with a sample menu for a week on this cardiac rehab diet. They recommended... Um, more servings of fish, more days of fish than other diets did, which is absolutely fine. Fish is great for you because they wanted you to get the micronutrients and the good fats in the fish, but they weren't honest. This is what it said. Fried fish doesn't count. That's the exact verbatim wording. Fried fish doesn't count. That's not honest. It's not as if frying the fish destroys the micronutrients. That's not true. It's not as if frying the fish makes the good fats inside the fish no longer the good fats inside the fish. That's not true. What it does do is it adds fat and calories. They don't like fat. They're hung up on the idea that fat is what gives you a heart attack. It's not true. 
But they couldn't even be honest and say, if they were honest, they should have said something like, fried fish is not, by their own logic, okay, this isn't actually metabolically uh, the right way to go about it. But if they were to follow their own logic, they should have said, fried fish is a second or third best choice. Use it only occasionally. It adds a lot of fat and calories. Better ways to get the fish micronutrients are broiling or baking. That would have been completely honest. But they, they don't want you to think for yourself. They just freaking flat out tell you that frying the fish makes the fish not have any fish characteristics anymore. <sighs> okay, enough of that. It's time to go to a break. But first, give us money right now. <laughs> we would really love to have your support. There's two ways to do it. Because this, this costs money. <laughs> Go to us on patreon.com slash disaffected or subscribestar.com slash disaffected. And if you want to do a one-off donation, you can send it to us on PayPal. Our PayPal email address is us at disaffected.fm. We will see you when we come back. You know how podcasters are always asking you to hit the subscribe button? Well, this is us asking you to take a minute right now and be sure you've hit subscribe on your favorite video platform. Click that notification bell too so you never miss our newest content. And don't forget to subscribe on audio too. We have audio only content that you won't find on any video platform, so don't miss out. Do you like Disaffected? Do you like it enough to help pay for it? We'd love to have your support to grow and maintain this show. Donors get special access to our monthly Zoom hangouts. They're off camera and unscripted. We talk about what you want to talk about. There are two ways to join. Patreon users can go to patreon.com slash disaffected or visit subscribestar.com slash disaffected. Welcome back. So recall a few months ago that we took you through a news video that claimed that black women were oppressed by the price of hair care products and by the fact that white women didn't like their hairstyles, they say. Um, and oppressed because their hairstyles, their natural hairstyles were not considered professional, how hard that was, how much it costs, how much time it cost them, and how natural hair acceptance was the next liberation frontier for the eternally oppressed American black woman, upper middle class American black woman. Of course, in reality, there is no such thing as systemic discri discrimination against natu natural African hair. That's not real. And I'm betting there's a couple of you out there who were a little bit shocked to hear me say that. Why don't you say it too? Look around you. Think back on your career, no matter where you live in this country. How much evidence did you ever see of women, black women, being fired from their jobs or harassed by HR because their natural hair wasn't nice enough? Do I think it's happened from time to time? Of course. Of course it has. But a systemic problem? Nonsense. And don't tell me, well, you wouldn't know because you're not a black woman, so you wouldn't have heard it then you all been keeping a real big secret for a long time. Nobody ever noticed this. Nobody ever noticed it but you, right? Please. Well, here's a headline from CNN this week. U.S. House passes Crown Act that would ban race-based hair discrimination. 
before I get into the story, I gotta say something here. I'm really tired. This word, crown. You know what this is? This is, um, uh, what is the phrase? Um, it's not, it's, it's African, it's Afrocentrism is what it is. It's, it's this narcissistic inflation. Here's what it is. It's encapsulated in this phrase that you've heard. We was queens and kings. We was queens. Right? We were kings and queens back in our homeland until the white man came and stole us. So the whole idea is supposed to be that the problem with chattel slavery was not that a human being was being bought and sold and degraded, but that a, an aristocrat was. We weren't just the rabble. We were the kings and queens. This is our crown. It's so goddamn vainglorious. Here's from the story. The U.S. House on Friday passed legislation that would ban race-based hair discrimination in employment and against those participating in federally assisted programs, housing programs, and public accommodations. Yes, because I'm sure that in the housing projects and in government employment um, that white people all over the place not only are motivated to, but absolutely have the cultural cachet to harass black women about their hair. I'm sure they get away with that all the time and never get punished for it, right? <laughs> so um, more from the article. The Democratic-led House voted 235 to 189 to pass the Crown Act, which stands for Creating a Respectful and Open World for Natural Hair. The bill seeks to protect against bias based on hair texture and protective styles, including locks, cornrows, twists, braids, Bantu knots and afros. The hell is a protective style? Next one. Oh, this is good. This is a quote from one of the sponsors. <laughs> Natural black hair is often deemed unprofessional simply because it does not conform to white beauty standards. Democratic Representative Bonnie Watson Coleman of New Jersey, the bill's sponsor, said in a statement. Quote, discrimination against black hair is discrimination against black people. Okay, Bonnie. No, it's not deemed unprofessional by white people. That's made up. It's made up. That doesn't exist anymore. If it ever existed to the degree that you're claiming, this doesn't exist anymore. Nobody would say boo to a black woman for her hairstyle. Are you freaking kidding me? Would any white person dare to say no to any black woman's hairstyle in today's climate? Are you kidding me? Reversal, narcissistic reversal. And it's the latest example. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. You're not used to hearing this. Um, and you know, when I say that, I realize it sounds sort of self-aggrandizing, and I, I actually don't mean it that way. I'm not trying to be like, look how brave I am, Joshua Slocum, da-da-da-da. I know, I know it kind of sounds like that. That's not what I mean. What I mean is, I know that what I'm saying right now is, uh, 
that you, many of you out there, you know this, you think it, but you have been terrified to ever say it. I know that other commentators and podcasters think it and are terrified to say it, so I'm going to say it. Black people, black people's bad behavior has been culturally off limits for far too long, and it's over with me. It's not off limits for me. I treat black people, white people, Asian people, yellow people equally. That means they, that their good qualities get equal recognition and their bad qualities get equal recognition. No kid gloves for you because you're black in America in 2022. Not for me, honey. Say something about this in, in any way that you can. If this gets brought up in your earshot or in your workplace, push back. You don't have to be as blunt as I am. But find a way to push back, please. Say it. Say a little something. At least say, can you please show me some examples of these hostile workplaces and racism that you're citing? Show me some examples of how that works. I'm interested to learn about that. Be be and if they actually show you one that's plausible, then you will have learned something, right? I'm sure there are some plausible examples. But you and I both know what's really going to happen, right? The person who's claiming this is simply going to reassert to you that it happens, but they're not going to give you an example. Assertions by narcissistic politicians are not examples. You have to find real ones. And of course, Missouri Representative Cori Bush is all over this. Here's a quote from her. <laughs> As a black, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> as a black woman who loves my braids, I know what it's like to feel isolated because of how I wear my hair. Democratic Representative Cory Bush of Missouri said Friday on the House floor before the vote. Next quote from her. This is the last time we say no more to black people being demeaned and discriminated against for the same hairstyles that corporations profit from. No more to black people being made to feel like we have to cut our locks just to get a job. This is the last time we say no more to black people being made to feel like we have to straighten our hair to be deemed professional. Representative Cory Bush, ladies and gentlemen. <clears throat> Remember Cory Bush? I do. This is her. <laughs> this is her last year. This bitch camped out on the steps of the U.S. Capitol with a family-sized bag of ruffles and a 20-pack Costco box of Oreos to protest the end of the government's illegal eviction moratorium during COVID. Look at her. <laughs> do you see her hair? Do you think she hasn't chemically straightened and treated that hair? Do you think that's just natural? Yeah, okay, I'm going to talk about her nails. When she was eating those ruffles, she had those big, um, those acrylic claws, you know, tick 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 they look like you got crab claws. This, <laughs> you can't do shit with those on, right? This is how she's eating her ruffles. <laughs> Get out of here, you big phony.
Oh, there's more. I forgot there's more. Mm. Quote, the Biden administration this week said it strongly supports the Crown Act and, quote, looks forward to working with Congress to enact this legislation and ensure that it is effectively implemented. Democrats acknowledge that such discrimination is prohibited under existing federal law, such as the 1964 Civil Rights Act, but said courts have misinterpreted the law by narrowly interpreting the meaning of race, thus allowing discrimination against people who wear natural or protective hairstyles. Oy vey. Republicans objected to the bill, arguing that federal law already covers this kind of discrimination and that Democrats should be focusing on other issues like inflation and high gas prices. You think? <laughs> Here's a quote from Republican Jim Jordan. I love it. 14 months of chaos and we're doing a bill on hair. Republican Representative Jim Jordan of Ohio said Friday, adding, I hope we can actually focus on the things that matter to the American people. Well, hope more, baby, because it ain't going to happen. <laughs> All right. Change of change of gears here. We're going to get right into uh, some direct cluster B stuff. So a lot of people have been pointing out to me um, articles lately that talk about a new study that shows that narcissists, psychopaths, and manipulators are more likely to virtue signal. Yes, and water is wet. This is so obvious that you cannot help but trip over it. But it's probably good to reiterate the points. This comes from Reason Magazine, Reason.com, and they're citing a study that was recently published in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology. Oh, actually, let, let me stop there. Um, viewers and listeners, I have a favor to ask you. I would actually like um, digital access to this journal. I've wanted it for a while. It's the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology. If any of you have a university affiliation or any other sort of affiliation that would allow me to actually... Um, read this periodical. I, I can't afford an academic subscription, but if you could help me out with that, I'd be really, really grateful. You can drop a line to us at disaffected.fm. Thank you. Okay, so from the article, quote, their conclusion, that is the conclusion of the researchers, psychopathic, manipulative, and narcissistic people are more frequent signalers of, quote, virtuous victimhood. The so-called dark triad personality traits, Machiavellianism, narcissism, and psychopathy, lead to characteristics like self-promotion, emotional callousness, duplicity, and tendency to take advantage of others, the paper explains. Oh, stop. That's so unbelievable. Show me the data. <laughs> so whenever, you know... Culturally, whenever somebody claims victimhood, our response for quite a while, the response, the default response from most nice and respectable people is to find some way, any way to sympathize and see this as a valid complaint, to find a way to make this claim real, to even if it means doing extra work and not looking deeply at the claim to see if it hangs together by its own logic. 
I mean, after all, women, gays, trans people, black people, they're victimized every day, right? We all know that. That's just part of the world we live in. They're just victimized, right? So, of course, they must be telling the truth, mustn't they? <laughs> From the article. This held true even when controlling for factors that may make people vulnerable to being mistreated or disadvantaged in society, such as demographic and socioeconomic characteristics, as well as the importance they place on being a virtuous individual as part of their self-concept, the researchers stated. So they found the correlation between these narcissistic traits and virtue signaling even after taking into account that they were black or a woman or gay or trans. Are they suggesting that not all of these people were telling the complete truth? Are they allowed to do that? And this, of course, this, this bullshit was exemplified by the screeching abortion protesters when we talked about um, in the beginning of this episode. Uh, one more, one more I'm going to pull from this paper. They, the authors, point out that virtue signaling is defined as the, quote, conspicuous expression of moral values done primarily with the intent of enhancing one's standing within a social group. Meanwhile, victim signaling, quote, may be used as a social influence tactic that can motivate recipients of the signal to voluntarily transfer resources to the signaler they explain. Let me put this into plain English for you. I don't know why these academics have to write around things like this. I mean, there's a difference between professional language and just, just making it abstruse, and this is just abstruse. So in plain English, narcissists do this to convince other people to give them money, sympathy, and political power. They're suckering you. They're thieves. That's it. Cluster B, a way to look at cluster B is think of it as thievery. Thievery in multiple domains, freeloading, cheating, extracting resources from you without reciprocating, taking things they haven't paid for either in currency or in social give and take. Cluster B is about being a taker. And it's, it's about entitlement. I am entitled to respect, my mother screamed at her children for years and years. You've heard this from other people. You see it all the time. I'm entitled to this. I'm entitled to free birth control. I'm entitled to abortion on demand. I'm entitled to be able to afford this car even though I won't pay my own mortgage or mow my own yard. Yada, 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 yada. Or welfare benefits. Or another extension on your overdue rent. Take, 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 take. That's cluster B. The last thing we're going to talk about is in the Navy. <laughs> so President Biden this week has been lecturing oil companies. Um, I wish I'd pulled this clip for you. You may have seen it. I, I've talked about this before. This man actually stands in front of a podium at the White House and gives direct orders to citizens. Orders. not. I mean, he literally says, do this now. Get vaccinated now do it. He's doing this. What the hell do you think you are, buddy? He's doing it right now. This week he ordered, I mean, it, it doesn't have legal force. He can, he can use the, uh, the, the, uh, the expression, the formality of expressing an order, but it doesn't have legal force, but he ordered oil companies to lower their gas prices this week. 
he said, this is not normal times. This is a time of war. Here's that clever wordsmithing, right, that they wrote for him. It's a time of war. It's making sure that he's not saying we've declared war because only Congress can declare war. We're in a time of war, and that's close enough, so you have to do everything I say just like we are in war. So how are we preparing for this time of war? What are we doing in our armed services to prepare them to fulfill their mission of protecting our national interests, our borders, and our sovereignty? Here's one example from the U.S. Navy. Roll them, Kevin. Hi, my name is Johnny, and I use he, him pronouns. Hi, and I am Kanchi, and I use she, her pronouns. And we're here to talk about pronouns. What is a pronoun? A pronoun is how we identify ourselves apart from our name, and it's also how people refer to us in conversations. Using the right pronouns is a really simple way to affirm someone's identity. It is a signal of acceptance and respect. If it's a signal of acceptance and respect, how do we go about creating a safe space for everybody? That's a good question. A really good way to do that is to use inclusive language. Instead of saying something like, hey guys, you can say, hey everyone, or hey team. Yeah, and now that you say that, another way that we could show that we're allies and that we accept everybody is to maybe include our pronouns in our emails or like we just did, introduce ourselves using our pronouns. But what would I do if I uh, misgender someone? I think the first thing to recognize is that it's not the end of the world. You correct yourself and move on or you accept it's the It's not the end of the world? The most important thing I can tell you is do not put the burden of making you feel good about your mistake on the person that you just misgendered. Oh, thank you for telling me that. Yeah, and another tip uh, for you to remember their uh, pronoun next time, it's in your mind. Kind of go through a progression of three good things about the person using their pronoun. So let's say the person chooses to use they, mm -hmm. then you will in your mind go, they have a nice shirt, they have a nice smile, they are really smart. So that kind of sticks in your brain. That is so helpful. Um, I want to know, no, it isn't. what would I do if I want to know someone's gender identity or pronouns? The most important thing is <laughs> Do not pressure anybody into giving you their pronouns. Some people may be going through the process of discovery and they are not ready yet to tell you what their pronouns are, and that's okay. God help us all. I got nothing. That's the show. Thanks for watching. See you next week.